Last week, we read from Luke a little earlier in chapter 13. And it was one of the many accounts that we have of Jesus breaking the rules, stepping over the cultural expectations. In that passage last week, Jesus was brazen enough, get this, to heal on the Sabbath. So the synagogue leader, the church leader, was outraged at Jesus' disrespect for one of these Ten Commandments. Everyone knows you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But I wonder if his angry outburst, this church leader's anger, wasn't so much about not working on the Sabbath as it was about the who and the why Jesus was helping. You see, in Jesus' day and age, there were certain people that you just didn't associate with. You just didn't mix. The people that Jesus chose to interact with were almost never at his level. Jesus chose to call attention to a woman. A woman. And not just a woman, but a deformed woman, a sick woman. According to all of his co-workers, because Jesus was a part of the teaching team at the local synagogue, these other men, they all had this level of education. They had religious status. They called Jesus Lord and teacher because that is what he was. This woman was beneath him in every level, socially, academically, religiously, gender Surely these religious leaders, they would need to put an end to the way that Jesus keep, kept drawing attention to the types of people that they were working so hard to ignore. Surely, it's associating with this type of woman, it would threaten their authority and the respect they'd spent their whole lives earning. Are there types of people you ignore because they might rub off on you? whatever it is. Who do you ignore because, because of a sickness? Because of a political party? Because of a belief, a lifestyle? So just a chapter later today in Luke, Jesus is at it again. On his way to a dinner party on the Sabbath, Jesus once again calls out his church-leading buddies, his teaching team, on their biases, their judgmental attitudes towards those whose society rejects. So in verses 2 through 6, which we didn't read this morning, now I'm all confused. I think it was John Luke 14, but I just wrote the wrong passage anyways. So Luke 14 verses 2 through 6, the, this group of pastors and leaders on their way to dinner, they come across this man who has something called dropsy. Is that so funny, Martha? <laughs> hey, Martha. Hi. How are you? Are you good? Good. 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 Okay. <laughs> So dropsy is this condition of swelling. So I don't know if you've seen, but there's a man around Monroe, actually, who is often on the park bench 
often in front of big lots, sometimes over by the park, and his whole body is very swollen. And I wonder if that would be this condition, that it, it disfigures the whole body. And on the basis of the law, the Pharisees were ready to tell their comrade Jesus, no, 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 you know, it's the Sabbath, we've been over this. You are not allowed to heal on this day. Jesus calls them on their judgmental hearts once again because the act of healing isn't what they're upset about. They weren't innocently desiring to obey the law of God. No, their problem is with who Jesus was healing. In healing this sick man, Jesus enacts the whole crux of the law, loving God and loving people. He offers this man healing and wholeness for the same reason any of those religious leaders would have stopped at nothing to save one of their children had they fallen into a well. It's just what you do. You love people. So who do you look down on? Who do you look away from? Who can't you look away from? Who can't you stop talking about? A short time later, Jesus and his teaching friends, his Pharisee buddies, they arrive at this dinner party they'd been invited to attend. Now, the way they threw dinner parties back in the day was a bit different than the way that we do. And they have this huge table, and all of the people of importance are kind of reclined, kind of a low seat uh, couch-like seats around the table. And you don't really pick your spot. The host tells you where to sit. And the closest you are, closer you are to the host, the more important you are. And so Jesus goes, there he goes again, making a huge party faux pas. <laughs> so Jesus starts his speech by calling an atten their attention to a proverb they all knew really well. This is actually in the book of Proverbs. A word of wisdom that says, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host, and then he'll come out and tell everybody, uh, excuse me, uh, Kellyanne, you're in the wrong spot. I need you to move. Um, um, Eldon's here. He needs to sit at the head of the table. Sorry, you need to move. So red-faced, embarrassed, you might have to make your way to the last table, the only spot left. Nobody wants to be that person, right? I mean, I remember, you, so a lot of you are starting school soon. I remember the start of high school. I was the new kid. I was going to a public high school from a private, small Christian school that had like literally 30 people in the whole school. And for the past seven years, I knew some of these kids from like kindergarten, but I hadn't gone to school with them in years. So here, here's this girl, Melanie, is that you? but I didn't really know anybody. And so when the lunch bell rang, I hurried to my locker to grab my lunch and I enter the busy lunchroom that is overwhelming. If you've never been in a high school lunchroom or a middle school lunchroom, it's a scary place, <laughs> especially when you're the new kid. And so my adrenaline floods my body and I try to keep my face from telling everyone how nervous I am and I pick a spot, I don't remember exactly what happened, I mean, it's like 20 years ago now, but I'm pretty sure I pick a spot by myself, because everyone's still in line, 
And I try to not disturb any of the pre-selected groups. So there's obviously the band kids here and kind of the gangster type kids here and the math nerds over here and the art kids over here and you know so on and, and the stinky kids over here. Like everybody kind of had their own place. And I didn't want to just assume I belonged or didn't belong in any of those places. So I sat by myself and a, a few bites into my sandwich, someone taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, Melanie, come sit with us. And the next thing I know, I'm making new friends, good friends. I found a spot at the table. And that's kind of what Jesus describes to the party goers. He says, when you're invited to dinner, go and sit in the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come sit with me. I've saved a spot for you. That will give all of the dinner guests something to talk about. So what I'm saying is if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you simply are content to be yourself, you will become more than yourself. So yeah, this is good advice, right? Like nobody wants to be the weird kid who sits at the wrong table. Jesus is right on here. We're all like, okay, good job. Like don't sit in the head spot. But then Jesus doesn't stop there, did he? I mean, all of us, none of us wants to be embarrassed at a party. We know this, Jesus, thanks. But he shifts his attention to the host. And this is all Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. The next time you put on a dinner, so imagine yourself, you've put on this dinner. You've got all the money, you've invited all the important people. Don't just invite your friends and family and your rich neighbors, the kind of people who you know can return the favor. Invite the kind of people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and you'll experience a blessing. Sure, they won't be able to return in the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. So, of course, this message wasn't just for the the poor host who's getting picked on by Jesus. For every person in that room had the social status to throw a similar party. And in fact, that message is for every one of us. Jesus knew some of them, some of us, would never think to invite the man they passed on their way whose body was weirdly disfigured with swelling. I mean, neither would I. Would you? Or that woman with the crippling arthritis he healed last Sunday. Or what about the woman who'd been unclean from bleeding for more than a decade? Or the kids that keep disrupting things during church. Come on, Kezia. Come on. This is a sacred place. No noise. (laughs) And yet those people, the children, the women, the sick, the disformed, the odd-smelling, the unsound in their minds, the people who can't seem to get it together, Jesus invites those people to their table, and he doesn't just invite them to sit at the corners and pick up the scraps. He pulls up a chair, and he says, come, my table's big enough for all of you. In the kingdom of God, a banquet 
is not a true banquet unless everyone is invited and welcome to the table. Okay, so hold that thought. Let me ask you a question again. What are some of the ways that we classify people? What words or categories do we describe who we are and what we believe? Christian, non-Christian, conservative, liberal, progressive, moderate, evangelical, sacramental, pro-life, pro-choice, Republican, Democrat, in favor of marriage and family, or in support of gay rights, mentally ill or mentally sound, white or a person of color, employed or dependent on government aid. Friends, if we're honest with ourselves, these are dividing walls. Defining ourselves by classes and distinctions such as these, it's like building up a wall between ourselves and them. The wall itself doesn't actually harm anyone, so we justify that it's just for our protection and our safety. It's just what I believe. But the truth is these dividing walls hurt humanity. They hurt the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is to bring healing and wholeness to the world. And the mission of Jesus is accomplished by loving God and loving people. All people. So when we make these distinctions between ourselves and other people, we're building a wall. It may be invisible, but it's definitely soundproof because it keeps us from hearing what they have to say and who they are where they came from, what their dreams are, what they're struggling with, what they're worried about. It keeps us from hearing. When we refuse to hear one another, we refuse to know one another, and refusing to know one another is refusing to love one another. And when we refuse to love another person for any reason, it is direct disobedience to the commandment of Jesus. Jesus came to give us a physical, human, real living person example of how to live a life that's loving God and loving people. Loving all people. Hearing all people. Not making distinctions. Jesus came to destroy the dividing walls between Christians and non-Christians, Jews and Greeks, men and women, people of color and white people, Democrats, Republicans, progressive and conservative, gay and straight, in order that we might love God and love one another. Remember how to love people, right? Be willing to listen to them. Humbly asking questions, assuming you don't have answers listening. Do you want to live like Jesus? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit survey your life and point out all of the dividing walls you built around yourself? And then would you be willing to pick up 
what I'm going to call a sledgehammer of love. The kind that Jesus wields to break down those guiding walls, to say, forget this. This is not the point. This is not how you love people. Are you willing to love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intellect? And love all others as well as you love yourself. Let's return again to God with our whole hearts and a wholehearted confession. Let's break down the dividing walls as we come to Christ's holy table. Here's this invitation. All you who desire to live like Jesus are welcome at his table. In coming to this holy table, we are linking arm and aim with Jesus. We're seeking to do the things Jesus did, to extend a warm welcome to strangers and single people, to get to know outcasts and weirdos, to ask genuine questions to the ones whose lives look pretty put together and those who are obviously falling apart. In coming to this table, we profess our desire to do as Jesus did, willing to knock down all the dividing walls we erect between ourselves in order to bring healing and wholeness to the world. Let us take a few moments of silence to look at our lives and confess as the Holy Spirit shows us how to love God with our whole hearts. <clears throat>